because thou hast holy followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake his word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, as yet I am strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war, both to go out and to come in. Now notice verse 12, Now therefore, give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in the day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. Father, I thank you so much for the reading of your word. And Lord, every single time I've read it thus far, my heart is excited and thrilled. As my mind, in my mind's eye, I can picture where Caleb was talking to Joshua in the midst here, a very arid place. But Lord, there it was, not just so personal, but very intimate to him, standing before him, this great mountain in, in what he stood there, the promised land. And Lord, which pictures for us, for every Christian, a victorious Christian life, so must we, Father God, see the mountains for what they are in our lives, these challenges. To see them not as one that are daunting tasks to, to beset us, to cast us down, to discourage us, but Lord, rather to grow us. And I pray tonight, O oh Father, that perhaps maybe there'll be some people here. I know so many are coming straight from work and others are not only physically tired, but Lord, frankly, spiritually and mentally and emotionally. Lord, we've endured a great many deal. And even as Brother Irwin had prayed over the prayer page this evening, Lord, there's a great a number of people here that we've made requests. And we've asked, Father God, and Lord, beseech your throne to touch their bodies and heal them. Others, Lord, just kind of um, work during this time to comfort the family. But Lord, tonight we come before you humble. And acknowledging that God, apart from you, we can do absolutely nothing. I myself, Lord, am but your humble servant. And I pray tonight, Lord, that you anoint my lips and my thoughts. That I might be your mouthpiece. God, Lord, you may give me freedom and liberty of speech and of thought to preach to these, your people. And Lord, I pray that your word might have free course in the hearts and minds of these, your people. And enable us, Father God, to appropriate these truths we're about to hear tonight. Well, thank you so much for these things, if you ask in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks so much for standing. You may be seated. I believe. Verse number 12 perhaps more emphatically and passionately really communicates this that phrase, I believe. Notice in me verse 12 once again in our passage, Caleb is standing before Joshua. And can you imagine as you picture with me in your mind's eye, as he stands there in the promised land, and he says, Now Joshua, therefore, give me this mountain. He's saying, I believe that what the Lord spoke of 45 years ago, even while there was giants in the land, I believe that God can and will give it to me. Then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Tonight, friends, I believe that everyone faces challenges. Your proverbial mountains in their lives. And these mountains serve to grow us in our faith. But I also believe that some of these daunting mountains that are set before us are lost amidst the minutia of our daily lives. We lose sight of the purpose. Why God has placed these challenges. And we become encumbered about with many things, as did Martha. Amidst the busyness of serving in ministry. Can I tell you this, friends, if we're not careful, just like many Christians have already done so, they've stopped and they're sent up the mountain of God's will. Simply because they've gotten used to living on the plateau. It is on this, that plateau that they tend to simply look back on the glory days. Rather than looking forward to what great things lie ahead for God's glory. 
Our new education building is a perfect example of this. We've heard frequently our pastors speak from this pulpit to remind us amidst this construction phase to envision the children that will fill those nurseries, the people who will fill those classrooms, the discipleship classes, souls that will be saved, believers edified. Right now, all we can see is a dusty parking lot. A few fewer parking spaces, a longer walk on Sunday mornings, and the inconvenience of the occasional dark walk across the wired fence to the main building. But tonight, friends... Many of us have made some goals for ourselves, ambitions and dreams that we desire for so long to accomplish, mountains to conquer, if you will. But just as we call, recall in the life of Joshua and Caleb, it will take some time of growing, time of maturity, patience, until we finally conquer these mountains and we see the manifestation of God's blessings. I can assure you, friends, it will be all worth it in the end. Tonight I want us to see three distinct reminders for you and I to heed so we might successfully claim our mountains. If you notice me in this passage, notice with me first and foremost, a people's besetting sin. A people's besetting sin. Caleb gives account here in this narrative. And he says in verse number 9 in this text, And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. But you notice the previous one, verse number 8, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people to melt. What had taken place here? If you look back in the book of Numbers, chapter number 13 and chapter number 14, first and foremost, we see that during the people's besetting sin began with just so normally as it does with every single Christian. Every single person who hears the word, friends, it begins with doubt. They doubted God's word. God delivered His people from Egypt. That they might enter the promised land and enjoy the blessings prepared for them. We recently just commenced a series um, on the transcending truths and relevance of the Ten Commandments in our YF um, sermons on Friday nights. And as we got into Exodus chapter 19 and Exodus chapter number 20, as he stood there at the foot of Mount Sinai, and as Moses ascended, he told the people, You must stay back, tell the people to heed and to wait. And as we all know it, the great Decalogue, as God with his finger would write upon those two tablets of stones, and write for them what would not only be for those people. He begins with this statement, I am the Lord your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. In my discussion this afternoon with my wife, I was told in my studies, it's interesting to note that in the Hebrew, the Ten Commandments is not simply referred to as simply the Ten Commandments, but as the Ten Statements. In that, these statements already are in inferred to the Jewish people as they hear it, as to be fact, to be factual. And the first statement, if I was to ask you this, what is the first of the Ten Commandments? Most of us, if not all of us, would say what? What's the first commandment? Someone help me out. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. When in fact, that is the latter part of the first statement. In Exodus chapter number 20, verse number 2, it tells us very carefully, I am the Lord your God, which brought thee out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. That is his first statement. Then in verse 3 we get to it. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. In that statement, as it was for not only for Caleb, but for Joshua and the ten rest of those spies, these men and all of Israel knew that it was God that had caused them, not Moses, not any demagogue, not any government, not even national hero, but it was God that had delivered them out of the bondage of Egypt. Friends, can I tell you here tonight, 
That statement still resonates with us today. You remove God from the Ten Commandments, you have nothing but ten suggestions. Without God, friends, can I tell you this? We do not have a formulated basis upon which to operate in our society. Tonight, I wonder what is it in our lives that causes us to doubt God's Word. Maybe not necessarily directly in opposition to His Ten Commandments. Maybe not directly in opposition to His Great Commission. But I wonder what it is in our lives that perhaps maybe say, God, I don't need to be in every service. God, I can miss out just one day my walk with you. And if we're not careful, we're mistaking our work for God to take or replace or substitute our walk with God. But friends, can I tell you first and foremost, God being a personal God, desires to have fellowship and communion with you and I. Because it is in that closeness, as James 4 reminds us, that when we draw nigh to God, His promises then, He will draw nigh to us. The Christian life is not permeated by any set rules as the Pharisees had indicated by their lives. Yes, they got one thing correct. They would rather by their lives permeate their societies by their actions. What was missing, however, was the very heart of the matter. One, how often do we go through life just kind of going through the flow? Friends, can I remind you? God delivered His people from Egypt that they might enter the promised land and enjoy the blessings prepared for them. So God, in His salvation, can I tell you this, friends, has prepared and so desires for you and I to live the victorious Christian life. But that's, our, that's ours for the taking. We must choose not only to want it, but to go up and to, to conquer it. The Christian life is being enjoyed, not endured. But this can only be accomplished by a person who lives by faith. Where did this doubt originate? From whence did it emanate? Notice with me, friends. First of all, they forgot the Lord's promise. Turn back with me to Deuteronomy chapter number 1, if you would. Deuteronomy in chapter number 1. Now notice here, God laid out some very key prom- some key promises for His people. In Deuteronomy chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 6, the Bible says, The Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, Ye have dwelt long enough in this mountain. Turn you and take your journey, and go to the mountain of the Amorites, and unto all the places nigh, thereunto in the plain, in the hills, and in the vale, and in the south, and by the seaside, to the land of the Canaanites, and unto Lebanon, unto the great river, the river Euphrates. In verse number 8, Behold, I, Lord speaking here, have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. The reminder that was given to them when they arrived at Sinai. It was also then jumped down verse number 20 and 21, a reminder of God's promise again at Kadesh. And I said unto you, ye are come unto the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. Behold, the Lord thy God has set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God thy fathers has said unto thee. Fear not, neither be discouraged. Oh friends, God's promise was Israel's title deed to the land as well as His guarantee that they would defeat their enemies. I wonder how many of us here, though we might be children of God, are still slaves to our vices, to our sins, to perhaps maybe a disparaging heart. Paul reminds us in Hebrews that our doubts causes within us an evil heart of unbelief. Oh friends, can I tell you God's promise, His word was all Israel needed 
But they doubted God's word and began to walk by sight instead of faith. They forgot the Lord's promise, but notice they forged a losing path. The Israelites took their first step out of doubt when they asked Moses to let them search out the land before the entire nation engaged the enemy in battle. In Deuteronomy verse chapter 1, verse 22, And he came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us, and they shall search us out the land, and bring us word again by what way we must go up, and into what cities we shall come. Parents, I wonder how many times, perhaps you can, uh, you can uh, level with me on this. You told your kids, hey, you know what, you, yeah, you eat your dinner, maybe we have some treats for you, and um, you'll, have, you'll have some dessert after dinner. And how many times, perhaps, maybe um, you, your child goes and after they eat dinner, they run to the fridge to check, in fact, it's what you stated true. <laughs> and it's interesting, as comical as it may seem to be, and I'm not judging my children or anything of the sort, they are children, in fact, when they go there and they get so surprised, and the simple response was, what did you expect? I told you there would be. Right? And so often, we fall into the same scenario, don't we, friends? We tell God, God, I really want to obey you. God, I, I want to have this walk with you. God, I want to have a victorious Christian life. And we work so hard, but we set up contingency plans. And then when we come to realize our contingency falls apart, we revert right back to, okay, God, I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to do what you told me within your word to begin with. And then sooner than later, we come to find, you know what? God really does keep His promises. Surprise. Friends, can I tell you here? That's exactly what the children of Israel was doing right here in this passage. God had told them multiple times, go up and possess it. It's yours. I've already gone before you. Here's a God who not only called them out by His people, his, by Abraham, and said that He would make of them his, a chosen nation. And spread far greater than the sand, um, sands upon planet earth. But friends, can I tell you here, is after 400 plus years of, of slavery to the Egyptians, and taking them out, after those 10 plagues, after crossing the Red Sea, and 40 years in that great wilderness, and now went to that promised land, those 20 years and older had died by the way. And now here they are entering. And yet before they can, they've approached. Oh yeah, God has said. But let's just go check it out. Let's go take a peek. Make sure that that dessert really is in the fridge. Friends, needless to say, Moses granted their request. You see in verse 23 of Deuteronomy. And the saying pleased me well, and I took 12 men, 12 men of you, one of a tribe. Got permission for the Lord to carry out the plan. This is where we pick up in Numbers chapter number 13. However, it appears that God was letting the Jews have their own way, not because it was the right way. Hear me out, friends. God was letting them oftentimes, in our lives, you may get your way. Not because it's right, but more often than not, to teach us a lesson. Can't tell you how many times uh, in the, I've told my children, don't do this. And isn't it interesting? I tell my kids when they're, before I give them especially very important instructions. Instructions that may very well hurt them if they don't adhere to it. I say, look at me. Look at daddy in the eyes. What am I asking for? I want their full, undivided attention. 
And when I speak to them, I want them to repeat back to me, right? It's, by the way, parents, if you don't already do so, that's a good practice. What did I just say? Uh, I'm here asking, not only did they hear me, I'm not asking if audible sound waves entered their ear canal. I'm asking, did they comprehend? And as such, I'm also, by inference, demanding a response and action. If they do their own thing despite my warning, that's on them. Growing up in my household, my grandmother spoke Tagalog and my, my dad, because of where he grew up in the Philippines, spoke, spoke uh, from Lonya de Martes, spoke a different um, dialect, Ilocano, which uh, unfortunately I didn't get to learn except I, I knew one phrase constantly. It was when I would disobey and when I disobeyed, I'd look at him as if to like, what just happened? And when I would hurt myself or do something that was uh, not right, my dad was simply just bold face and stoic face. Gungunam, good for you. <laughs> I remember the other the other day we're having. I have a fire pit in front of my front of my house, and my family line just lo- we love to gather around, just spend some time in fellowship there. And I told my daughter Sarah, Sarah. When you walk, do not walk in front of everybody else. You walk behind the chairs so that you don't touch the fire pit. It's a cast iron fire pit. It's got a little, um, it's got a little stove on there and has a little uh, fluke there for the furnace so that all the smoke can go up. If you know anything about cast iron, which is also why it's great to cook upon, is that it heats up evenly. And despite having eye contact, Tell her exactly what it was. Somebody came out with s'mores. Some marshmallows, some chocolate, and graham crackers. I think it was more so the chocolate that caught her attention. And despite what I just told her, she's standing right to my right, to my right hand side with somebody next to us, just a little bit further from out of my reach. Instead of going behind us, she decides to cut across. Because the shortest distance between two um, points is a straight line, is it not? Despite the fact that it, that furnace was right in front of her and there was some pieces of wood that she wasn't looking at that point in time, she tripped over it and just momentarily placed her hand on that fire pit. Only but for a mere second. It was at that time I went to go try and grab her hand. Before I can grab her hand, she already pulled away. And you could see the expression on her face. She had, she knew exactly what had gone wrong. She looked at me, didn't want to cry and succeed that she disobeyed, but couldn't help. At that moment, I quickly looked at her hand and see if she was okay. She didn't get any major burns, but she, she barely touched it, but knew enough the consequences. Friends, can I tell you this? Such are the pleasures of our lives. God tells us, hey, you know what, there's a route to be had. And though the, though the distance might be a little bit further, listen to me. But I'll let you have your own way. For hope that you'll learn from this lesson. Oh friends, these people needed to trust God to do things His way, not their own. 
We know it in Prom- and we quote it several times in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean unto thine understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. But I wonder how, much, how many times by our lives we have lived opposite of such claims. They forgot the Lord's promises, forged the losing path. But notice next with me, they fortified the Lord's proceedings. And what I mean simply was, they only confirmed what God had already stated. When the twelve spies went to the land to spy it out, they did not discover anything new. Oh look, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. He said so. They simply confirmed what God had already told them. In Genesis 15, they already knew the names of the pagan nations that lived in the land. In Exodus chapter number 3, God said here in verse number 8, it was a good land. In verse number 17, it was rich and flowing with milk and honey. In Numbers 13, in verse number 22, they even visited Hebron, the burial place of the patriarchs and their wives. The reminder of faith in the lives of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph did not encourage the spies. The reconnaissance of the land may have been a good idea from a conventional military point, but not from a spiritual point of view. Friends, if we're not careful, we can do the same for our own lives. God, just in case, let me double check your plans. Well, friends, can I tell you, God had already given them the land. And He commanded them to go and claim it. All they had to do was, as we sang, trust and obey. God had already promised that He would scatter their enemies in Numbers chapter number 10. But His people had to follow by faith. And that's where they failed. They doubted that God was able to keep His promise and give them the land. They doubted God's word, but He didn't stop there, friends. No, as often as doubt proceeds. Notice the progression here. It, pro- it progressed through the discouragement of God's people. Here in our text, in Joshua chapter number 14, we read in verse number 8, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Have you ever noticed with me then when you have somebody who is already skeptical of somebody else's motives, aren't sufficient to keep it to themselves. Yes, even in God's churches. Discouragement has a way of feeding just as, as it were, A virus passing from host to host. And the more people with whom we speak of, even especially those weaker in the faith, friends, we're not careful. This virus, this plague can scatter like wildfire. I see here their dissatisfaction. You know, it wasn't enough that the ten unsatisfied spies agreed amongst themselves that they should not enter into the land that God had promised them. No, they made sure that everybody else agreed with them as well. If I told you right now, hey, we're getting the, there's a, a new vacancy for you and your family. 10,000 square foot home, seven bedrooms, five bathrooms, big old pool. You have a, a, a whole driveway. It's about a quarter mile just to get there. Five car garage. You got your Bugatti on one side, your Lamborghini on the next. And it's already paid for. All you have to do, go, do is go in and possess it. That's too good to be true. Sure, in this life, I probably wouldn't take that offer either. If God was to tell you, friends, say, hey, you know what? I, I've given you your heart's desires. I just need you to trust me. And then somebody comes along 
they didn't shake my hand. They forgot to acknowledge me. Hey, you know what? I I passed out some flyers too. I wasn't on that list. Please forgive me, friends. I'm not here to poke fun at anybody. He said, Pastor AJ, that seems so shallow, so feeble. Very nominal complaints. But they are complaints nonetheless that have taken place here. And unfortunately, because somebody didn't get their position or get that acknowledgement or get their way, we've all known some people who've left. Now, I'm not saying that it gives us any right to look down upon people like that or not welcome them back. But friends, can I tell you this? It is our responsibility, fellow brethren, hear me tonight. We who are more mature in the faith, to be merciful and kind to those who are weaker. As I said before, discouragement spreads like wildfire. It's interesting to hear the words of ten spies regarding the promised land. Notice back with me in Numbers chapter number 13. Hear what they said in verse number 27. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us. And surely it alloweth them, it floweth milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Notice how they're pointing back to Moses and to the leadership. You sent us. And then notice in verse number 32, the land through which we have gone. They never refer to it, notice here, as the land that the Lord our God has given us. The blame game, friends, is no new thing, isn't it? It happened in Genesis chapter number 3, it's happening here, and it still happens today. Why? Because in our human nature, we don't like to be in the hot seat. We don't like to have the blame upon us. And I'm no different from anybody else. But friends, what God is asking us here is not to discourage us, but to help us to realize our dissatisfaction can be very well steeped in our doubt, which will lead to discouragement. But notice the dissatisfaction didn't stay there. It progressed to their disillusionment. The Bible says this, that they saw themselves as grasshoppers rather than seeing by faith their God who was able to conquer every enemy and who sees the nation of the world as grasshoppers. They said in um, Numbers 13 verse 31, we are not able. This was a cry of unbelief. But as Daniel chapter number 3 verse 17 cries out, we must cry, our God is able. For this is the affirmation of faith. And as Philippians 4.13 reminds us, friends, that we can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth us. We used to hear it all the time in practical theology in Bible college. A faith that cannot be tested, cannot be trusted. And God tests our faith to help us make sure it's genuine, first of all. And second, as First Peter 1 reminds us, friends, to help make it grow. We are to grow in grace. A.W. Tozer said, Faith first comes to the hearing ear, not to the cogitating or pondering mind. May I remind us, friends, what God's Word simply states in Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. To the unbelieving world, it is unreasonable for anybody to trust in a God they've never seen or heard. We all have evidence we need to convince us that God is dependable. And has the power to accomplish what he says he will do. Israel had every assurance that God would never fail his people. Someone said, unbelief challenges the character of God and rebels against the will of God. 
And Hebrews 11.6 reminds us, But without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Notice here, friends, the responsibility on our part of seeking after God. Paul reminds the church at Rome, for whatsoever is not a faith is sin. And Moses reminded the people of God what he had already done in Deuteronomy. But they wouldn't stop complaining. They not only doubted, discouraged God's people, but notice letter C, friends, they defied God's will. You know, in the camp of Israel, unbelief and discouragement spread rapidly from heart to heart. And before long, the Bible says in Numbers 14, verse 1, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. The next day, the entire congregation criticized Aaron and Moses. Friends, can I make this statement? When your eyes are on yourself and your circumstances, you lose perspective and you say and you do ridiculous things even towards the people of God. The Jews were no strangers of complaining against the Lord and their leaders. By the way, they were also judged for it. We see records, numerous records of Israel's murmurings in Exodus 14. The murmur of the night of Exodus when they were sure Pharaoh's army would kill them. In Exodus chapter 15, in the wilderness of Shur, where no, there was no water to drink. In verse number 16 of the same chapter, when they missed the meals in Egypt, they said, well, that we had died in Egypt was their favorite lament. In chapter 17 of Exodus, in Rephidim, the people were ready to stone Moses because they once again had no water. In Numbers chapter number 11, in Tiberias, some people complained and were killed by fire. In verse 14 and 15, shortly, chapters 14 rather, of Numbers in chapter 15. Shortly after that, the mixed multitude incited the Jews to ask for meat to eat. And Moses began, became so discouraged, he wanted to die. I was reading in my studies here from my college notes. It's a pastor chapel made statement. In Pastor Criswell's book there in Practical Theology, he stated there are about two or three chronic complainers who plague the spiritual leaders and sometimes must be disciplined. But here was an entire nation murmuring over a plight that was caused by their own belief, unbelief. Friends, can I tell you this? Often, the unfortunate circumstances that take place in our lives are by our own doings, aren't they? The other day, I'm so grateful, I was changing the belts on our family van. I thought to myself, I've done it for church vehicles, I can do it in my minivan. And my wife was assuring me oftentimes, she said, hey, are you sure? Why don't we just get some quotes and, you know, see if we can take it to a local mechanic. Why don't you go to that mechanic that usually take the rest of the church vehicles, and we've gone there before. And I got the quote, with everything, with parts and labor, it costs about $725. I thought to myself, that's pretty steep. To rotate the tires and change out the bell, make sure to replace the fluids. I'm like, I looked on and I went online to get some aftermarket parts. All in all, $35. What was great about it all is that because I racked up so many points prior to that, with Anthony, I didn't pay a cent. <laughs> I basically told him, here's my year making model for this vehicle. And he says, oh yeah, let's scan. They scanned my little um, O'Reilly card there. I, I carry on my keychain. And as the scans up, boop, pulled it up and gave them my little gift card. And he's all oh, great. Matter of fact, you just racked up some more points. I'm all, praise be to God. Jehovah Jireh, God has provided. I started around 11 o'clock. And uh, 
So got there, taking apart is the easy part, isn't it? I was like, took out, I went to go change out the belt in my, for our alternator and our AC and our water pump, no problem. I followed, I have a manual, followed all the pictures and even checked out some YouTube videos just to make sure I was doing it right. Went down, took off the dry belt and it was all fine and dandy. Removed that uh, uh, tire, lifted it up, put it on jacks, get all my safety compliance done. And then suddenly, I ran into the re- this realization. The reason why the belt came off so easily is because not only was it old, it also stretched out. And as I began to compare the old belt with the newer belt, like, mm, did I get the right parts? Are, are these, are, did these people jit me, give me the wrong parts, the wrong, wrong belt for this? And I'm struggling with this. And if you know anything about this, right underneath it, you, you kind of have to get on your, upon your, your knees in a, in a state of humility, actual humility and prayer. And I'm praying, like, God, give me strength. I, I was, and I'm here, I'm like, Lord, please don't help me, don't, don't let me mess this up. And I've done everything possible. And the, <clears throat> excuse me, the pulley on this can only go so far. And uh, my wife comes on out, tries to offer her help, and then uh, makes the point, hey, well, honey, I don't think this, there's much you can do here. Don't ever tell a man he can't do something. <laughs> Especially if he took those many hours taking it apart. Bless God. And I was, she went back in, she brought us some lunch, I'm like, maybe I just need to take a rest and, you know, get some strength and maybe I look, make sure I get everything adjusted just fine. Praise God. I don't know how it was, and somehow I managed to get in there, but in the process of getting that, that belt in, my finger slipped, and I got my right hand um, ring finger caught. Honestly. Um, and it was one of those things, man, right? We know, wow, this really hurts. I thought I broke my finger, but I was not about to let my wife know. Everything okay? Yeah. Just go wash it off, throw some dirt on it. As I went in the bathroom and I cleaned it off, checked my finger and saw how, saw how deep it was. I'm like, just, just wrap it up, out of sight, out of mind. Get everything back together and as I get that belt on, now I'm just dealing with a bigger belt. There's my alternator, my water pump and my AC. Now, the way this works is that you don't, you don't have a tensioner pulley. You have to adjust the alternator, it drops down. Go figure. Thank you, Toyota. And you have to drop it down, and now I'm, I'm having struggle with, with this. And praise the Lord, my brother finally came home, my brother Andrew. And uh, we're tiny, I'm thinking, man, we're home free, we got the, finally got the belt on, we lifted it up, we used some unconventional means, which I don't suggest anybody try. But we got the belts on, without breaking anything, until we started, I got so excited, I started doing things backwards. Rather than shifting the alternator back up, I had tightened the pivot bolt. So when the alternator shifts up and down, I've already put it in place. It's about 56, you know, 56, 60 foot pounds. The problem with that is when you try uh, putting more tension, which causes this three inch bolt to go move the alternator back and down to give it its right tension, it has no way to move. And I thought, maybe we just need to put more muscle into it. So I told my brother, hold on to this, and I'll pull on this. And sure enough, as he did some snap, the bolt comes flying out. Now it's a bigger problem, and I'm going frantic. I'm thinking, oh, great, I've got to replace the whole alternator now. 
And I, I, I'm just furious. And I, I'm just biting my tongue like, Lord, my faith is being tried. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm going to have to eat my own words. I'm already looking, researching here. How much is it going to cost for a toe? Am I going to have to... Am I going to, I'm already thinking all the things. My wife was right. This can't be good. But friends, you know what I noticed right then and there? Praise the Lord. My brother had more of a cool head and more nimble hands. He said, hey, whoa, whoa, just, just wait, Kuya. This is not the end of the problem. He says, it's no, I know it's not in the book, but this part is removable. And praise the Lord, you know, a dollar and 19 cents later, one small little problem, which I was thinking just could rip out the whole thing, replace it, was easily solved. But that's the way discouragement works, doesn't it? It has a way of clouding our minds and getting us, setting us off keel. Excuse me, that's a nautical term. It gets us off balance. And we can't see properly. We can't make proper decisions. You ever been discouraged in church? Perhaps maybe had aught with a brother here in church and perhaps maybe had a disagreement with somebody, friends. And somehow the next service that you went to, the joy of the Lord just wasn't there as it once was. When you give up that offering and you see somebody else, oh, why are they so happy? Or perhaps even worse, as I've seen it so happen, and not only in this church, but in other churches along the way. I've been to 38 um, continuous states, friends, and can I tell you, in almost every single church, I've seen those people who want nothing to do with each other. During the handshaking time, they will literally go to the opposite side of the room just to avoid another Christian. Friends, can I tell you this, that those things ought not so to be. But such is the case when we get our eyes off of guys, our eyes off of God and ourselves and our circumstances, you lose perspective and we do irrational things. Notice they didn't admit their own failures, instead they blamed God. And they decided to choose a new leader to return to Egypt. This rebellion was against the will of God, and when the child of God is in the will of God, friends, there is no room for complaining, even if the circumstances are difficult. Paul Chappell said, the will of God will never lead us where the grace of God can't provide for us or the power of God protect us. Man, I pray we hope we take heed to that. Friends, if our daily prayer will simply be, God, your will be done as it was Jesus Christ. And if we walk in obedience to God's will, then what is there to complain about? A complaining spirit is evidence of an ungrateful heart and an unsurrendered will. When we grumble, we tell God that we know better than He does and about what is best for His people. We're commanded to do everything without complaining or arguing. We see four men of faith in this camp. Moses, Aaron, Caleb, and Joshua. And they tried to change the situation. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces and interceded with God. Whilst Caleb, um, Caleb, excuse me, Joshua and Caleb spoke to the people and assured them that the J- Jewish army could easily take the land because God was with them. And these two men, Joshua and Caleb, saw the nation's sin for what it really was, rebelling against the will of God. The Jews did not like the report of Joshua and Caleb and, didn't, and did not like what they were saying to the people. So they decided they were going to stone them along with Moses and Aaron. Friends, when we walk by sight and not by faith, we don't have enough sense to know who our real friends are. We turn against those who can help us the most. The will of God is the expression of the love of God. The love of God for His people. For His plans come from His heart. The Bible tells in Psalms 33, 11, The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of His heart to all generations. God's will is not punishment. It's nourishment, friends. 
And those who rebel against His will are denying His wisdom, questioning His love and tempting the Lord to discipline them. Oh, may I tell you tonight, friend, fellow brethren, God wants us to know His will, to understand it and to delight in it. We must obey His will from the heart, Ephesians 6, 6 tells us. You notice with me, the Holy Spirit opens up the Word of God to help us discern what God wants us to do. We see people's besetting sin, but notice a persevering belief shown. In verse 9 to 12, here in our text in Joshua 14, I'm going to move quickly here. Notice what he means. I love this about Caleb. Verse number 9, And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely, here he called, Caleb recalled God's promise, friends. Caleb knew God's promise, but so did the rest of the spies. What made the difference between Caleb and the rest was this. The ultimate difference was that Caleb not only knew God's promise, he personally knew the God of that promise. Let me ask you this, friends. Is God a personal God to you? And I I mean this sincerely. Is He a personal God to you? So much so, that you cannot start your day without Him. That's probably the, the, the truest mark of authenticity between your relationship, between you and God. You know, Christ also gave us a promise in John 14, the promise of His return. Let me ask you, friends, have we forgotten His promise? Do we live each, each day in light of His imminent return? He now recalled God's promise. And notice, He ruminated on God's promise. Verse 10 and 11, And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as He said, these 45 years. Notice, Caleb meditated on it. Every single day, as Joshua said in Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayst observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt, shalt have good success. It filled every one of his thoughts. From day to day he says here, I've been, it's been 45 years. In verse 11, as, I yet, as yet I am strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war. Both to go out and to come in. Now I don't necessarily believe that you know, this was physically true. But he was saying, Joshua, I'm still as determined to take it today as it was 45 years ago, 40 plus years ago. Notice with me, he redeemed God's promises. In verse 13 of Joshua 14, Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because what that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. He took God at His word, friend. He was not in the. He wasn't riding the front, the, riding the fence. He wasn't straddling the line. He entered into the inheritance that God had appointed him and rejoiced in it. Psalms forty-seven four reminds us: He shall choose our inheritance for us, the excellency of Jacob, whom He loves. Selah. And God blessed His faith and gave Caleb the mountain as His inheritance. Remember, God's blessings are there for the takings. But they can only be accessed through faith and obedience. James reminds us, you have not because you ask not. We see people's besetting sin. Perseverant beliefs shown, but finally, friends, notice all of this is a precedent biblically stabilized. Caleb outlines for you and I, friends, a biblical precedent. And that is a faithful servant. Notice the statement said of, of Caleb. Because thou has wholly 
follow the Lord my God. You know, if there's anything to be said about my life, I really don't care about much except to be said by that of my own children. Dad was somebody who wholly followed the Lord. Friends, before we hear of Caleb becoming one of the spies to spy out the land of Canaan, he was just a faithful servant. You know what he did? He simply supported the man of God, Moses. And he obeyed God's word. And I don't think there is any Christian that does not want to know what God's will is for their lives. You know, God does not call the lazy, He calls the faithful. We may not be much, but everyone can be faithful. God commanded us to occupy till He returns in Luke 19. He was not only a faithful servant, but I see in verse 11, 11 and 12, man, he was a fearless soldier. Man, Caleb was a man's man. Talk about loyalty. Mind you, as a fearless soldier, he was not without fear. Rather, he lived in light of God's promises. In Deuteronomy one twenty one, Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, the Lord God of thy fathers has said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged. We read it here in Numbers 13, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well, well able to overcome it. That was the claim, friends. I believe, he says, when we live in light of the purpose and power far greater than that of ourselves, we can live confidently and we, go, we can go forward boldly, friends. He knew that his God was greater than any obstacle. Courage is objective. And the object of Caleb's courage, or rather the source of his courage, was in Jehovah God. Not in his possible military might, but in God. When Caleb spoke to Joshua and bade him to give him his mountain, I'm sure that in his mind he recalled the events of the Passover, the death angel, the exodus from Egypt, the crossing of the Red Sea, and the guiding presence of the Lord by a pillar of cloud and fire. You are never too old to make new conquests of faith in the power of the Lord, friends. We must wholly follow the Lord and never retire from wholly trusting Him. Not only was He a faithful servant, a fearless soldier, but finally, I see here, friends, He was a fervent saint. He therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. And notice how the last part of that verse. Because that He wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. So how about it, friends? Have we fallen into some besetting sins, just as did the children of Israel? Times of transition can be tough, you know, especially when things don't go our way or according to our expectations. But we may, like Caleb, have a persist, persevering belief that will show, not only for our sakes, but for the sakes of all those believers among us, the generation that followed behind us, and for all the lost that are around us. As we move forward in faith, let's be reminded that there is a precedent that is biblically stabilized. We did not enter this building program for the mere sake of expansion and increasing our property value. No, we did so on the biblical basis of seeing more souls enter through these church premises to provide quality facilities for every life stage so that those who will come see the great work the Lord is doing and give Him glory for it all. Remember, the best is yet to come. Tonight, there may be many who are struggling in their con- conquest of some daunting mountains. And perhaps like many others here, much like myself many years ago, friends, you plateaued in your Christian life. For some, it's, it is with the same blatant sin that Israel faced. Unbelief. We struggle with taking God at His word. We begin to doubt His word. Then we begin to discourage others. 
This always results in our defiance of God's will. It is not our boasting that gives us the victory to conquer our mountains. It is believing God and His promises that gives us the victory and gains us new territory. Philippians 4.13 Well before Steph Curry claimed it his life first. Can I tell you, the great Apostle Paul stated, one who gave his very life said this, I can do all things, but he didn't stop there. Through Christ which strengtheneth me. How about it, friends? It's time that we get off of that rocking chair, metaphorically speaking, and we say as Caleb did, I believe, therefore, I want that mountain. Father, I thank you so much for these, your people, and their attentiveness here tonight. Thank you so much, Lord, for really what's sitting in these chairs before me for so many, Lord, even longer than I've been here myself, are trophies of faithfulness, trophies of your grace. And as I look across this congregation, God, I can't help but see stories, legacies, not only by the lives of these adults here, but God, also in the lives of their children that are present here tonight. God, I stand before you humbled before these people, declaring, Father, to you be the glory for what great things you've done. And as we sang earlier, Lord, as we open up this service tonight, may we not simply look at this passage and sing this song to trust and obey, but to really understand, Father, for us as Christians, we who live by faith, there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Lord, there's an opportunity set before us. And because there is a real devil out there, because, Lord, there is malevolence in this world, because, Lord, there is lost and dying people, to whom, Father, if we don't give the gospel, Lord, they will forever spend the rest of eternity in the devil's hell. God, we cannot abide. God, we cannot stay here stagnating. Lord, we cannot be abide sufficient and plateauing in our Christian lives. And yes, Lord, I thank you so much for the patience and long-suffering these your people, Lord, during this, this time of transition as we get this new building up. But Father, as we prepare ourselves to enter that building, as it has been prayed over, and many a people, even some of our guests, preachers and visitors, have walked through those buildings, as it is important, Lord, as all the codes are kept, as all the facilities are up to par, God, I pray, Father, we won't lose sight of the power of God that must fill every classroom, every hallway. That we as your people, Lord, the church, must be enabled by the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives to do a great mighty work. Lord, there's a mountain set, set before us. And more than simply summiting, reaching that summit, God, I pray that amidst that journey, that journey of faith, that God, you might grow us. And Lord, in such a way, we come to the end of our life, you might be able to say, Lord, thank you. And it was truly worth it all. With their heads bowed and eyes closed, would you stand to your feet? As the piano plays tonight, I wonder how many of us here tonight, as Caleb said, I believe. What's holding you back, friends? 
what's causing us more so to say, I'm not sure, or I'm not sure if I still believe. Can I tell you, friends, far greater than that, more likely than the Warriors going to another finals next year, is the fact that our God still reigns. It's the fact that our God so still desires to save souls. That our God still wants to use you and your family, your children. That every dime of your offerings that are being given, friends, are for the furtherance of the gospel. That God still wants to work a great and mighty work. That there are mountains to be had. But we must conquer them in faith. How about it, friends? Will you declare like Caleb? We are well able. I believe that God is. God is able. And therefore, I want that mountain. How about you, friends? It's yours for the taking. Many are still praying. Take your time as you do business with the Lord. We all have mountains that need to be climbed, that needs to be overcome. What's your mountain tonight? And more importantly, where's your faith tonight? Our future is as bright as the promises of God's word. Tonight, would your faith be encouraged and strengthened through the promises that God has given in his word? Lord, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for using Pastor AJ as he shared not only his heart, but your heart through the preaching of your word. Help us, Lord, not to merely just let the words go in one ear and out the other. But let it sing in our hearts and let it be something that we meditate on tonight and tomorrow and the rest of the week. Challenge our faith, Lord. Use us. Bless our faith, Lord. May our faith truly exemplify a life that reflects your character and your power and your ability and faithfulness. Thank you for your message tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, thank you for being here tonight. Boy, you know, if we just had a church filled with Caleb's, Amen. Uh, as we finish the year, if we have Christians who have Caleb-like faith, we'll finish this year well. And I hope that tonight you'll ask the Lord to challenge and strengthen your faith. Just a few announcements as we uh, dismiss tonight. Uh, a reminder, especially on Sunday and evening services, please do not park in the designated areas for visitors, seniors, and handicaps. Uh, the Sunday we had several handicap uh, visitors that parked actually next door because there was not enough space there. So just be mindful for that. If you qualify, praise the Lord. If you don't, we know your license plate number. We know where you live, <laughs> all right? We don't know your SIM card yet, but we'll get that soon, right? Um, youth fundraising for Teen Camp. We have projects signed up, uh, projects uh, prepared for teens to, uh, to take on. And so if you're willing to hire one or two uh, teenagers to get them to Teen Camp, please see Pastor AJ or some of the youth workers here. We have Soul Winning this Saturday, 9.45. Please join us for that. We've been getting a lot of good tractions. A lot of visitors have been coming through our Soul Winning ministry, and we praise the Lord for that. And then, obviously, with Kids Camp coming up, our children's summer events, we want to get as many flyers out as, 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 as possible. 
And then lastly, tonight, we need about 10 to 15 men. Brother Daniel needs some uh, equipment for the, uh, uh, to be cleaned tomorrow. There are kitchen equipments that are found inside the shed be- right before you enter into the chapel. We need 10 to 15 men just to stay around for about 10 to 15 minutes. And the more men, the, 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 the faster it will go. But we just need some uh, manpower and muscle to help move all of that. Brother Daniel said he could do it, but he doesn't want to show off. So let's help Brother Daniel tonight, all right? Well, we've already prayed. And I hope that you guys have a good night and drive safe. If you need anything, please see the staff and the deacons. We'd love to pray for you for anything that you have. All right, you're dismissed.